Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for joining me again. We have another Beauty of Video Games episode for you. Yes, this week we are talking about the beauty of art. And joining me, I just said this, uh, the connoisseur of beer, <laughs> one of the fathers of the grind members, uh, Mr. Jesse White. Hello, Jesse. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Uh, so, uh, me and Jesse actually, how did we beat? Oh, like, was it Fathers of the Grind or? Yeah, I think it was Fathers of the Grind. I don't think we were, I don't think we had been chatting yet in the, uh, Beyond days. Okay. No, I wasn't part of Beyond that day, those days. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been, it must have been Fatga. Or were you in, uh, Platinum Achievements? No, I wasn't. Yeah. So it must have been Fatga then. Yeah. Yeah, Father's the grind. And we just happened to us to talk and became friends and everything like that on Facebook. Uh but before we get into the show, and yes, Jesse is one of the guests that I want to have on later on to have for uh our Hellblade discussion. But <laughs> I had to do my part and finish the game. Cause uh me and Corey I'm a fanboy of that show. Uh, or that of that game. Uh, me and Corey actually did a discussion about Hellblade. Because uh, we did it for Pot and Play Season 2. And man, I'm, I, goodness, that game is mind blowing good. And it, it, is. it literally deserves every award that it got. And it just shows that I, I still think Ninja Theory is just on a higher level than a lot of developers. And they do not get the credit that they do, they should get. I agree. They, they. I mean, not just Hellblade. Even the games they made prior to that, oh, like yeah. Enslaved. Uh, Enslaved and Heavenly Sword, they make good games. Yes, uh, DLC will always be part of my heart. I don't understand the hate behind that game. I get they changed the model for uh, Dante, but I thought that was still a good game. Oh yeah, it's weird. After I because I'm playing DMC four on PlayStation on PlayStation four, and it's terrible. Really? Yes, this game is just like, this is not fun at all. So why are you still playing it? Because I brought it and I'm and I said, you know what, I'm going to play this game. Uh, I I haven't I haven't three I haven't played yet, but I want to get four done so I can get ready for DMC five. Uh, just to see how those games connect this stuff. But after playing like DMC Devil May Cry, I was just like, this puts Capcom's games to shame. Yep. Did you play the other ones prior to four, like all the originals yeah, or anything? Yeah, I played like one or two on PlayStation two. Uh, I didn't play three. Uh, I know when it came out, they said it was just, it was very hard, and then they re-released an easier version. But I had fell out the series by then because I started playing my GameCube more than my PlayStation two. Yeah, PS two became my uh my uh role playing system, and after that, Devil May Cry didn't make the, do nothing for me. Right, so. makes sense. Yeah, I played the first two, and uh, like you, I had skipped three also. I think I had actually skipped four also, and came in back into that series on DMC. Yeah, I played DMC. I was just like, let me see what the hate is all about this. I get into the first level, and I was just like, this art is beautiful, which is a funny thing, because we're going to be talking about art. I don't know what art style they use. I, I want to say cell shade, in, in a sense. No, well... Some of it might have been kind of cell shaded, but I'm, 
I think it, it was kind of it was kind of modeled after the previous ones, except yeah. it was much brighter. It was brighter and, of course, newer. And yeah. they changed the character model, so I, I do think it was. It's kind of like Bayonetta. Yeah, it, it, it has a comic sense. To, before we continue on, because we're getting getting a little bit far ahead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, everybody be prepared for a hell uh, hellblade. It's actually on one of my um, uh, uh, extension lists because I have it for. I bought it for. Um, Xbox One. I think I also have it on PS4. Uh, but I brought it on Xbox One because I wanted to help Ninja Theory do the donation thing. Yep. Uh, for mental health, health. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm getting this game. So yep, uh, I did it too. Yes. So uh, before we go on, Jesse, can you give us some of your gaming history? All right. So I've been gaming for since I was very very young. I started uh, on PC, actually. I was a PC gamer before I played anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the first games I played was a game called Jumpman. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's literally just this dude who just jumps from platform to platform. He's pretty much like a stick man. Uh-huh. It was on the Apple II. Ooh, I remember the Apple II. Yeah, so that was my first, like, gaming experience was on the Apple II. And then after that, I graduated to uh, Windows system and then started playing things like Diablo, Doom, uh, Myst, Quake, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I didn't really have another gaming revelation. I mean, I played, I played like, uh... Nintendo, the the original NES. I played the Super NES, and the Super NES is one of my favorite systems. <sighs> Things like uh, Super Street Fighter. Uh, yeah. There's just so much on that system. You could go on and on and on and on. Super Mario World. <sighs> oh my god, so much great stuff. So then I actually made the jump from the Super Nintendo to the original Xbox. Wow, that's a yeah, big gap. That's a huge, huge jump. Gap. So other systems I had played at friends' houses and stuff like that, yeah. so I, I experienced most of the systems, but I didn't actually have in my home any of the systems between Super Nintendo and the original Xbox. You know, I, did, I personally didn't go multi out of Nintendo until... Uh, I got a PlayStation One for my birthday, uh, and it, reason being, I was just like, okay, I'm not getting a lot of Nintendo games and stuff because you know it's cartridge, so you kind of have to wait for stuff. Um, and you know, Final Fantasy Seven was on PS One, so I was just like, once again, PS One is my RPG machine. But I was getting other games and stuff too. So, oh goodness, that's a history of its own. But go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so once I so uh, I got the my parents bought me the original Xbox and with that was Halo Combat Evolved, which just blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Of course, with a jump like that from you know like pixel art, pretty yeah. much to something like Halo Combat Evolved, it's going to blow your mind. You know what I. I can actually admit I did not like Halo at all. 
Oh man, it's well, it's my favorite series ever, and my that experience with Halo Combat Evolved probably is a huge reason why. You know, I I played it all the, I didn't play it all the way. I got to the last level, and I got where you had to drive the Warhawk, I guess, out of, out of the tunnel or something. Yes. Okay. Yep. The Warhawk controls like a garbage can <laughs> full of rocks. Everybody has heard me get on this guy now the online the, the multiplayer stuff i play i enjoy my i enjoy the multiplayer having fun my friends my friend he's a great sniper he'll just hit me I'm like where the heck did you hit me from he's just like i'm right here and then he'll just run and keep keep killing me i'm like oh dang um but i i will say this um and we'll get back to you uh halo 5 i thoroughly enjoyed yeah it's funny because that's my least favorite of the whole series Really, I I I think story wise, it's a gobble mess because I really don't know what anything is going on. Probably because I didn't play two, three, and four like all together. But uh, I I I put I put in Halo Five, and I would say this: I give it to Microsoft and Three Four Three Studios for the production and development. That game looks gorgeous. Oh, it is a beautiful game, and the gameplay is near flawless oh yes it plays fantastic the story but, is a non-cynical mess I'm yeah like, what is the, this? The, the story is complete garbage so as somebody who who followed that game since its very first release mm-hmm. followed that series since its very first release i i was so upset with the story in halo 5 because previous to that the stories were pretty awesome actually to be honest they built an awesome world yeah, I I have the uh the Master Ch- uh, Chief collection. The Master Chief collection, yeah. yeah. So uh, two I need to finish, three I need to finish, and four, me Corey and Jesse Douglas we beat four, but two and three I need to beat, and I need to get back to that last level so I can actually beat one, and then I'll be done with the series until Hell of Infinite come out. Hell of Infinite better be the bomb. It better be. <laughs> That trailer, I I need to go back and watch the E three trailer because that they confirmed that's going to be Hello Six now. They actually confirmed that. Well, I know that they confirmed that it's going to be the next Halo, but I didn't know they're actually putting a six on it. I thought it was just going to be Halo it won't colon have, Infinite. Yeah, it, it won't have the number, but uh, it'll be considered as the sixth Halo game. Right. Yeah, it's it's going to be a continuation of Halo Five yeah. story. Yeah, so I agree. They need to knock that game out of the park. I think that franchise, the Halo franchise, actually has a lot riding on it with Halo Infinite because there's a lot of people that didn't like Halo Four either. So they go from not liking Halo Four and then they move on to Halo Five and being very angry at that game. If they screw it up again with Halo Six, they're probably going to be done. Halo Halo Four is just super, is Metroid Prime. I loved Halo Four. Oh, I, I oh, I the, loved that game. When I seen the trailer, I was just like, "Hold on, did Retro Studios leave Nintendo and make this? Because it looks <laughs> literally like Metroid Prime." And I'm five hundred percent for it. I love Halo Four. Halo Four was yeah. is really good. Just I think it was the part when they're just, when when uh they're in the woods and the way that it looks, I was just like. Good night. This looks like Metro Prime, and I'm, and I'm like, I, when I said I'm here for it, I didn't own the 360, but I'm like, when I got the Master Chief Collection, I, I was just like, I gotta start this game and play. And I looked at it, and I'm just like, dang, three four three studios. 
So what what Halo Four always makes me think of is it makes me think of Tron. The Tron, really? how bright it is, yeah, like neon everything. I would give that more to Halo Five. Oh no, I get it in Halo Four. Okay, I have to restart this game and uh, and look <laughs> at it. <laughs> just watch a youtube video or something you, you, it's like neon everything just well, like tron is well uh we're gonna get into the show because <laughs> <laughs> i just love this conversation um i'm planning on getting a 4k tv uh sometime down, like later on this uh year and i have the xbox one s i'm not going to grade up to an ox just yet i'm gonna wait for that um but I I have I played Halo Four on the old Xbox One, and I still have my old uh, one. Uh, but I want to play it on the Slim, and I want to yep. see what they up of it's going to upres and stuff and recognize the four K TV because I want to see that in I want to see that in four K. Yeah, I'm sure that's one of the enhanced games, also. Yeah, I it's got to be just a one one terabyte. Uh, what is it? Is it one terabyte of? No. I think it's a hundred gigabytes or something. It's like it's a big. Oh, the update. Master Chief Collection. Yeah, the update. Oh yeah, it's it's a enormous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And Halo Five on its own is something like ninety gigabytes. It's that ridiculous. Was ridiculous. Yeah. I was just like, okay. Oh, but continue your history. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, so all right, so I got uh, the original Xbox, and Halo just absolutely blew my mind. And then I played things like Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Jade Empire, games like that. And then Halo Two came out, and it pretty much cemented the original Xbox as one of my favorite consoles ever. There wasn't that system didn't have a lot of games, mm-hmm. but the games it had were freaking amazing. I I the Xbox came my used game system. Actually actually that NPS two became my used game system. Uh because me still committed to Nintendo. Uh and I brought my own Xbox. I brought my own Xbox, I brought my own PS two, I brought my yep. own GameCube. Uh I was old enough to have a job to do that. Um GameCube was my system. So but So So on on that note after I played Xbox for a while, I was like, okay, I need to see what else is out there because this is incredible. Yeah. So then I got my first job and and worked so that I could buy a PS2 and a GameCube. So this was the first time that I owned all three like major brand systems. Same here. And I brought a Dreamcast. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I had a Dreamcast also, yep. Uh, that was actually my least favorite, though. I actually, I oftentimes forget about that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Dreamcast is... GameCube. GameCube was my second favorite, though, because of Metroid Prime. Oh, my God. So I played uh, the original Metroid. I played Super Metroid. Played all of them. And then once I saw what they did in the 3D realm with Metroid Prime, I was like, oh, my God. So you, ever since huh. then, Metroid has been one of my top three franchises ever. Did you ever go to Sam Goody and try the demo? Did I do what? Go to Sam Goody. No, no, Sam I did Sam Goody had the demo that they showcased, 
and you got to fight the whole first part before you actually got into the game. Really? Yes. Played at that same goody, got done, beat the whole thing, went to the counter and played it all in full. I was just like, I want to pay this right now. Even before they, even before the announced date even came, my whole thing was done. I, uh, I got off of work, drove thirty five minutes in five o'clock traffic where everything is packed to get to the mall that was in another uh city to pick my game up, and then drove yep. another di- thirty five minutes home and popped it in, and probably spent the next three hours playing that game. Yeah, it it was so good, so good, so. So Metroid Prime was mostly what I was doing on the GameCube. And then on PlayStation, that was like my Siphon Filter and Tomb Raider system. So I I had all these game experiences and all these different systems. And it was like, I was just like in seventh heaven. (laughs) So after that, I was like, okay, these are all amazing. But I've got these new systems coming out. So 360, PS3... You know, we alls were starting to come out. Yes. So because of Halo, I went with 360 first because I had to play that Halo 3 goodness. So following that, I had the 360 for probably two years before I actually bought another system. Mm. And I went and got the PlayStation 3 because I wanted to play Uncharted. I've seen all these ads and, and stuff, and I was like, oh, man, that series looks great. So I saved up and bought a PS3. And then the Wii was my last one. So the previous the previous time I went uh Xbox N60 or uh, GameCube and then PS2. Yeah. This time I went Xbox, PS3, and then Wii. And I will admit the Wii was probably my least favorite system of the three. That's fine. <laughs> I, I, there was a lot of junk on that system. I, do it but you know what? It was. I still had this conversation with a lot of people. It's just like, regardless of what you thought about the Wii, Nintendo stays innovation, and everybody in that generation was trying to copy them. If oh yeah, those it, motion controls, everybody tried doing it. Right, and I'm like, what 360 and PS3 tried to do, uh, financial wise, they didn't do nothing close to what Nintendo Nintendo did. Like. Nope. When when, I think it took what Xbox and PlayStation Three. I think they each took about three and a half years to even broke even. The Wii comes out and it's just like, which the money that they made on the DS was about probably double or triple what they made on Wii. So well, and, uh, the ahead. Wii like the Wii's like struck gold with the the you know the casuals as everybody calls them. Yeah, that's something that the other systems were never able to do. Yeah, it was, you know what, it, it, it wasn't even striking with the casual. I think the hardcore still wasn't supportive of 360 and 3. And oh, they PS3. were. And and I, and I th- and this is why I say they weren't supportive. It's because if a game came out on either of the systems, why are developers closing? If they sold a million or two million, why are, why are publishers closing? You showcase all the hardcore stuff that's in the game that appeals to, to the players. And they brought it, so why are they not? Why are you guys are not closing? Is there not enough hardcore players out there? Is a million sales on two between two systems not good enough? Like, 
I, I, I don't I, I don't know. And as much as people pointing and laugh at Nintendo and saying that it's junk, and I understand they has they did have some garbage games on there. Can't deny that. I'm just like Nintendo made developers innovate and like try new stuff. And I think PlayStation three and three sixty, as great as their graphics were, made developers play it safe. But it was a risk of them playing it safe. Oh yeah, you'll never hear me. You'll never hear me argue that Nintendo doesn't innovate. They absolutely, unequivocally do. I think all three of them do in their own way, though. I mean, you look at Microsoft, and we have a whole online infrastructure with everybody because Microsoft did it first. Yeah, copy in the PC model. Well, well, the Dreamcast was the beta, and then Xbox was the second beta. Well, it's kind of like, you know how, you know how everybody always credits uh, Halo for making twin stick shooting Mm -hmm. uh, first person shooters like awesome. Well, Call of Duty actually did it first, but Halo looked at that model and just did it better and popularized it. It's kind of similar to what you're talking about. There's another system that did it first. But Microsoft did it better. Yes. Well, it was it, it was going to be using Windows. Dreamcast was going to be using Windows. So that's why I say for Microsoft, it was the beta because they was going to put Windows to do online for it. But right, I think Fancy Star was the only one. Oh, I don't know. Fancy I'm Star not sure, might have been the only one. But yeah, I agree with you. Yes. <laughs> oh, continue for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So then that brings us to modern day systems, which is where we're at today. Yes. Uh, and Jesse, probably, me and Jesse pretty much own the same systems. We probably own the same games. Uh, yeah, I own all three systems now. Yeah. We, we, have, we have had multiple discussions, but like I so much root Jesse on as not only as a beer drinker, because like, like I, I I tell Moose this. I'm like I get mad at Moose because all the food that he picks uh put out and all the beer cans and stuff. Uh, John <laughs> Martin, I love him so much. All the food he cooks in beer cans. Like I I I don't drink beer, and yep. but I love everything that you guys drink because you guys describe the flavors. And the cans look amazing. I, I yeah, just, there's some real art on some of them. I love that. Yep, some of them are, I think, like genuine art. Yes. So as, that's why I, sometimes I even ask them, like, okay, do they sell this in Illinois? I'm like, is this local? I'm like, where can I find this? I I probably wouldn't. I probably would give it a taste, but I'm just like, yeah, I love the art, which. We should probably get into the show because it's thirty-one minutes. <laughs> but yeah, we're getting there, aren't we? Yes. Uh, but thank you, Jesse, for coming on the show. Thank you for giving us some of your gaming history. Um, and the reason it's good that we kind of going that we're transitioning to art is um, there's something beautiful about looking at different art styles and graphics and video games. Um, that's pretty much I would say maybe seventy percent of what makes a game. Um, is seeing what is being displayed to us. Uh, so uh, the first type I want to kind of jump on is uh, that it's not just graphics, that is artistry. Um, what what did you get out of video game art? What do I get out of it? Yes. Oh, man, that's like a loaded question. 
so I tend to approach so as I've gotten older, I'm finding myself tending more towards the very single single player kind of story focused kind of mm-hmm. experiences. Yes. Kind of like Hellblade. That's like a great uh example of it. Yes. Very story driven. And when I think of art, it's not just the visual aesthetics that you're experiencing. You take a game like Hellblade and you have like a surround sound stereo system or headphones and the audio in that game is absolutely in- phenomenal. Same. It's, I- it is incredible. Okay, and so, that is art to me, also. And to give everybody a little heads up, is that Hellblade? You start hearing voices because your character is like uh, um, schizophrenia. Yeah, she's got schiz- she's schizophrenic. Yeah, and you hear all of these voices talking to you and be like, "Go and do that." Oh no, you should go do this. Like, sound is important to that game. So yes, I I do I agree with you. Oh, continue. Sorry. So, like, yeah, so with, like, with that game, you'll be in, like, combat, and you'll have these pretty cool-looking demon dudes that are trying to chop you down, and yes. you'll hear these voices from behind you saying, like, watch out, because there's a dude that's attacking you from behind or something like that. I don't know. It's like the, when I think of art and video games, it's like the whole experience that you're feeling when you're playing the game. Yes. So that's what I think of. Yes. What about you? Um, when it comes to video game art, uh, I, 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 when I look at art as in graphics and like art styles, I kind of try to find out to see who is taking the art style and doing it, uh, making it feel original, but also kind of being very expressive. So, um, like. Everybody laugh at epic, uh, uh, Kirby's epic yarn, but I'm yep. just like Nintendo is making a game out of yarn, and this looks better than anything that's been done in Uncharted. And uh, and the reason why I say that is just because Sony has been using this style of art for a long time, and Nintendo is trying to bring something. That is kind of cool. Like, how do you make a game look like real life material? Right. And like, I I look at that and I kind of just be like, wow, I never th- thought a developer would actually just just try something and make it feel just make it feel like it's never been done. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think Uncharted three and is one of the best games out of the whole series. I tried the four; it looks phenomenal, beautiful game. Gameplay is troublesome. Yeah, it is a visually beautiful experience. Yes, um, and if I if I add story like like you were talking about single player uh, narrative and stuff, if I add that to what is being shown, it's it's got to be something that stands out. That really make that really sometimes create a discussion because, as great as, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn looks, I'm having a I mean yeah the, the diversity thing in that in that uh, game is like is a great uh, discussion topic, uh, but something like The Last Guardian, it might look dreary, 
But when I go outside and I see the grass moving, the wind, and uh, Nico or, or Trico and, and me as the player just standing out there and enjoying it and just taking it and just looking at it, I'm like, this is breathtaking. Like, this is art, you know, that, so, just, that just jumps out. That means something. So... Uh, I don't think that you can make a one-to-one comparison between something like Horizon Zero Dawn mm-hmm. or like God of War to yes. something like The Last Guardian or even something like Ori in the Blind Forest or Pyre. I think that all of those games, they are all visually incredible. Yes. But they all they all push art in different directions. All oh. very positive directions, but just different directions. Oh yes, yes, I I do I, that. I agree with you. And I, and so, sometimes it depends on who that person is, how they view it. But you pretty much just put a definition to what it is. Like, like games are trying to when games are trying to push this art form. Um, you know they they want to be able to express. And all of those games do a great job expressing, even if it, even if it's not through the gameplay, even if it's not through the story. There's something about them that is expressive. What I think is a common thread to all of the games we just kind of mentioned, though, mm-hmm. is that not only are they visually pretty incredible, but all of those games have pretty stunning narratives, also. Oh yes. It's like the whole, excuse me, it's like the whole package. It, it, when we talk about art, be, the ability to tell a story, write a compelling narrative, that takes artistic creativity. Being able to paint the brush and make the visuals that they're creating, that takes artistic creativity. Being able to create a world like Horizon Zero Dawn, that world is pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. The design of the machines, the different cities, the makeup of everything. In my opinion, that it's all it all contributes to pushing art in video games. Yes. And it, I, I mentioned diversity in Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, it's because... That is a game that just the characters that's in there and that you uh, interact with, it's just like this is this is kind of imitating real life, and it does it a it does a phenomenal job of it. It's like it it brings you into the game. And yes, so, it does. Like it... I I was I I feel for Aloy, like her going through this discrimination. Uh, not because she was a woman, but because of what they characterize as. You know, they they see her. They see her. Does that older. have any personal impact on you? Well, I mean, as as a person of my of my stature, you know, of I mean, yeah, it could be on my skin and stuff. Is that some some people, even when with, with me just working in retail, you know what? I don't even look at that race at sometimes. Uh, but there's people just dealing with customers. They think you're lower than them because you work at a retail and they're the customer. Yeah. Yep. So 
that kind of relate that kind of viewpoint is kind of happening to Aloy. Is that is that people the other characters who are discriminated and being mean to her and don't like her, they see her as you know as a lower person and shouldn't be. A part she's of inherently story. lesser. Yeah. And so that kind of, that hits on that level, and not a lot of, a lot of games don't express that because, and it's not even political or nothing. It's just like this is a fact of life that's happening happening to this one character, and it resonates with so many people. It's like even if you're just even if you're not in a certain class, people will look at you lower, and that's how they kind of look at Aloy. Like yep. she just she's just a less oppressive, but she proves herself, do her works, and and that's what people a lot of people that's what you could when you see people tell talk stories about that is that when it comes to proving themselves to show that your ex your your thought of me is different of uh, was one thing, but I'm gonna show you why your thought is not is not truthful. Because I could do this, 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 and I can survive this, 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 and my work is there to show that I'm not what you expected me to be. One thing that I think also shows that video games are art is the feelings that video games can evoke. Oh yeah, it's like so a game like Horizon Zero Dawn. When I was experiencing that game, and I was proving myself as Aloy to be able to get into the uh, villages and whatever and not be discriminated against anymore. Once I actually proved myself and everybody started being nice to me, I didn't really want to be nice to them. It's like (laughs) I was an outcast. You casted me out for most of my life, and now suddenly you want everything to be all honky-dory again? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I think... That's kind of how the Mass Effect games are. You know, Mass Effect tells a great story, but I think what makes that game very artistic is the moral choices that you make. It kind yes. of it, to me when I do moral choices in Mass Effect, I, I always try to do good cuz I I I try to be a a good person. I do yep. want to do some evil stuff just to see what happens to give her a counterbalance, but I'm just like I'm I'm seen as this. So I, even though I'm seen as this, I'm still willing to help you to turn your thought around. You know, if I if I give in to what you think of me and say of me, then you win the battle. And I, and I personally cannot have that happen. Right. So That makes sense. So, when I play okay. when I play the Mass Effect games, I usually play one playthrough as the good person because yeah. that is my that is my preferred style of play i am a social worker after all but then i usually play another playthrough playing the exact opposite and i will admit sometimes making those decisions is that's it's hard to make those like evil decisions like i don't want to do this to this person (laughs) but you know what um heavily rain is something that i to to make the sacrifice to get my son back I did every trial. I gave in. I, I, yep. and, and this might be a spoiler for a little, little body, but I ran into traffic doing the wrong thing. I cut, uh, cut a the finger dad's off. finger off. Like, yep. I 
did this crazy stuff because I was going to save my child. Regardless if I got the good ending or whatever I got, I did everything in my ability to save the child. Now, yep. now I don't care about the child. If your child is literally annoying, annoying, and the child is, you know, he's he's more depressed because of what he's gone through. I would, if your child is, an, if I had the option to get rid of uh, Atreus in God of War, I, he would have been gone. He's oh my literally God. annoying. I know we can't talk about spoilers, but there's a point in that game where I just wanted to launch that kid off a cliff. Be like, I am done with you. <laughs> the, the, have you beat that game? Yes, I have. Yeah, so you probably know the section of the game that I'm talking about. <sighs> Which part? We we already did a spoiler cast, so it's out there. If okay. Gotta go, gotta All right, avoid, so. Then still pick it up. It's a great game. So there's a part where uh, Atreus, he learns who he is. Oh, he, he okay. He finally yeah. learns who he is, and he becomes this, like, arrogant, unsufferable kid. And I just wanted to boot him off a cliff and be like, never come back. <laughs> was, that the, and was that during the fight of the two guys? Or he was – because uh, – so he gets sick. So he 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 uh as the game progresses, he gets sick and he ends up going we end up bringing him to the girl to the witch. Yeah. Remember. Yeah, we end up bringing him to the witch and he like passes out there and uh Kratos has to go off on his little journey to be able to get the things that he needs to be able to heal Atreus. Yeah. And then Atreus wakes up and learns about who he actually is. And he just becomes this it's just unsufferably arrogant kid. And I just hate kids like that. <laughs> tone... Okay, so everybody, uh, go to NGRRadio.com or go to YouTube, uh, Nurse Gone Platinum. Uh, uh, Jeff, Moose, me, and a couple of people, we did a Spartacast about God of War. And one of the upsetting things about that game is the tone shift. Yeah. And from the very beginning, when uh, when you know Atreus is afraid to kill the deer, and Kratos makes yep. him kill the deer, and then you fight this big boss, and then it's just like there was a tone shift there, and it was just like okay, yeah, he's like cool with doing it. Right, and like, okay, so he was afraid to kill the deer, and then he stabbed the giant in the eye, and the credit's just like, no, we don't do that. Wait, you just killed a deer. You forced him to do that. Like, you got mad at him because he hesitated to to be violent, but now that he is violent, he's being punished because he's being violent. Like, right. the to- like this is like 10 minutes Talk about mixed signals. Like Corey Blarlog, <laughs> like you and your team, get the tone shift together. This is yeah. So, but we're gonna go into the next. Kratos part. doesn't father all that great. Oh shoot! I don't even think anyone father in that game. The parents, the, the parenting in that game is jacked up. <laughs> Let's just say that. So, uh, we're gonna move on to the next part. Um, the art we walk with, and this is pretty much talking about. 
art that gangs that we grew up with and that era, not the generation, but mostly of most of the era. Like I've grown up with Sprite Bass, uh, Claymation, uh, CD, like FMV, Digitized Gangs. Like I grew up with all of this stuff. And even though some of the gangs are highly regarded, you know, are very historic, there's some other gangs that they tried, but it failed on many levels. But at, but it's part of the video game history. So I kind of want to ask you, uh, Jesse, um, how do you feel about that? Like, what art styles did you grow up with and that you appreciate or you just find completely beautiful? So I think I actually grew up with a pretty good gamut of art styles. Uh-huh. So uh, as I had stated uh, earlier, all right, so I grew up with uh, games like uh, Diablo, Mist, uh, Doom, all of those things. And then I moved on to things on uh, Nintendo, like pixel art kind of stuff. So I think I experienced the whole kind of gamut mm-hmm. of what uh, visually what video game art could be back in the 90s and things like that. And then moved right up through the ranks. And I will admit that as I've gone through, I've moved farther and farther away from things like pixel art. I'm not a fan of that style anymore. I'm not saying it's not a good style. Yes. It's just not my thing. So whenever I see a game that comes out that's pixel art, I'm just like, I will admit, I kind of judge it prematurely and kind of move on. But other things, like I'm not opposed to 2D things like... uh, Dead Cells, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, uh, things like Pyre. All those games have incredible art. And it's, I don't want to say it's simple, but it, 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 I can't think of another word for it as compared to like these giant 3D worlds that things like Bethesda or, you know, other places are making. It, it feels more simple. But I know that's not the right word it's, for it. It's the it's two it's the two D plane versus the three D plane. Like there's more that you could do in three D than you can do in two D or, or and even two point five D if you want to add that. It's just like right. th- you they look beautiful, but you can't go you can't play around with the foreground and background like a three right. D game you could. So right, um, I, I, it's probably the freedom that three D games has given you compared to you being like on a linear path right it 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 makes it it makes it feel more robust Mm -hmm. even though artistically it may not be yes if that makes sense yes like like to me i'm always gonna i'm always gonna be a sprite guy i'm always gonna be our arcade guy i love claymation i love digitization um, claymation is cool i grew up playing uh sam and max do you remember sam and max yes i do that was all claymation it's awesome yes uh i love that tv show too seven max was so cool <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, like Sam and Max, uh, for me, it was like Clay, Fly- Clay Fighter on the 16-bit uh, and Clay yeah. Fighter 63 in the one-third or three-fourths or something like that. Like, it was something that, to me, was kind of almost revolutionary because you didn't see no studio working with Clay to make a game. And right. you still don't see that now, maybe on PC, like indie games and stuff you might see. But 
there there's something that I I still love about 2D and but I still love about sprites. You know, we got Shovel Knight, we got DSLs, you know, we got those kind of games. And the sprite kind of games have kind of transitioned in this modern age more to indie. Not many uh triple A or uh first party have has done that not even nintendo has been to anything sprite based you can't say pokemon in a sense uh but sometimes when you look at the animation it's a little bit smoother it's not the square pixel uh sprites right. that you kind of know um so i i, I mean what about like old school like final fantasy games yes you know uh like the, a lot of those are getting re-released on switch Newly announced. Well, not all. Well, besides Final Fantasy, not well. Final Fantasy Nine is a mix. Is a mix to me because it looks sprite based with 3D graphics, and that might be because of the time that it's on. Uh, Probably. But I, I, everybody's a little bit happy. I'm in. You know, I'm glad that it's even coming to Xbox One. Uh, now people want Final Fantasy VIII, which I think is a garbage game, but. <laughs> I've heard it's like the emo Final Fantasy. It's terrible in my opinion. <laughs> That's you. one I've missed and never went back to. So Love my boss, Corey Derrick. Uh, shout out to him for AGRradio.com. Uh, but he hates, uh, he doesn't hate, we don't hate each other's game, but he, he's not for Final Fantasy 7 and I'm not for, for Final Fantasy 8. But he's for 8. I'm for, I'm for seven, and we seven both love better. nine to ten. So, huh. seven is better than eight, so I'm on your team. Yes, <laughs> I owe you a drink. When... <laughs> yes. But uh, you guys can uh, and just let everybody know. Uh, Please, you guys can read all of these blogs on ngrradio.com. Um, this is exclusive for the Beauty of Video Games Volume 4. So if you guys want to read more of uh, thoughts on there, uh, check it out. Uh, but we're going to move on to the next section. Uh, did you give your Did you give your perspective on that, on yeah. that section? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, so digitized delusions and delight. Now, digitization was a big thing in the 90s. Of course, yep. everybody could remember Mortal Kombat. But you also yep. had uh arcade game like Tattoo Assassins. You had Pit Fighter, which I don't know if that was digitization, question mark. <laughs> but you also had games like The Way of the Warrior on the 3 Duo, or is it Atari Jaguar? It was wonderful. But uh, digitization was where they took real-life actors, put them behind a green screen, uh recorded their moves and then put that stuff uh in a character uh like program that those move sets for a character in a video game and then released it uh like i said it was a big thing in the 90s and now it's kind of trans like evolved like you don't see digitization but the method of it is juicy uh so i have to ask you what did you think of digitization so I thought it was kind of cool. So uh, Mist, Mist did it. The <gasps> the characters in Mist. Well, they I, I, I'm going to walk that back up. But they kind of did it. Mm. So they recorded a person on like a blue screen, and then digitized their image and put it into the video game. So it looks like a real life person. Yes. 
like a, a like a I don't know how to describe it, but uh like a live action person mm-hmm. in a digital world. Yes. And it was kind of cool. It was it was kind of like a different take on what you're what you're talking about. So instead of instead of recording somebody and then completely like video gaming their entire look, they took they recorded somebody and then just kind of push that image right into the video game which like, we'll get this which is going to be the next session for oh months. is it oh yes. okay all right all right <laughs> i'm moving too fast <laughs> but um but something like mortal kombat you know to yep. me personally i think mortal kombat 2 is still the best game out of the whole series I oh yeah um, I, I i don't disagree with that at all because i'm like an hour away from chicago uh that's where midway was based at uh when Mortal Kombat kind of came, uh, people didn't know, like, what the world is this game? And then everybody seen all the blood and stuff coming out and the fatalities, and it just took a wildfire. Uh, but people were just trying to imitate Mortal Kombat in games and stuff. And the way that it kind of now evolves, uh, going back to Hellblade, uh, like how Ninja Theory recorded their actors and everything and programmed them into for a certain character. Uh, David Cage does this for uh, um, for his games, like uh, Below. Is it Below? No. Uh, no, I don't think it's Below. Uh, Detroit Become Human. Detroit Become Human. Yes, Human. yes, uh, heavy, yeah. Heavy uh, Rain. Um, I think it is Below. Uh Something, is it? Something. Yeah, I think that's the name of it. With the with the one girl and the ghost. I think it is below. Actually, yeah, I think I think you might be right. Actually, yeah. Uh, um, I don't know so much about Indigo's prophecy, but I, but I, but I know mostly when uh, Quantum Dreams was been making games for Sony exclusively. They have with Heavy Rain. They have been using like for uh, they have been using actors to make the make their game um and this is kind of different from voice act voiceovers and stuff um nowadays like if you see play nba 2k or if you play madden and stuff they use athletes to go and uh do these moves and then they are incorporated in the game so digitization has has come into play um, but it's kind of changed. Like they don't dress up as the character because with Mortal Kombat when it first came out, they were recording these actors dressed like them. Yeah, so that's uh, I, I guess maybe Miss was actually kind of similar to that. Mm-hmm. So that 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 is what they did with Miss. It's not like modern day where they just had a bunch of balls stuck to them and yes, these weird outfits. Yeah, they were actually dressed as them, and they were like recording them with a recorder. And then just kind of like digitize that image and then put it in the game, which it sounds like that's pretty similar to what they did with Mortal Kombat. Yes. They had them dress up as the character and did all the stuff that they were doing and then just put that into the game. Yes. Because I, th- yeah. I think the before they got into Mortal Kombat 4, I think they used that process all the way up to 3. Um, wow, they used it that early, did they? Mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3. They used it. Wow, they used it for the first one? I I honestly did not know that. Yeah. That's how digitization actually started. Mortal Kombat 1, they they green-screened everybody, uh, and all the actors had on the outfits, and they recorded them 
doing all of those moves. And then they programmed them into the game. And then when Mortal Kombat 2 came out, uh, it was st- it was different actors playing different roles, but they would change their hairstyle and their appearance and stuff. Like the person who did Katana uh, also did her sister and stuff. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And then, like, because that's why when you look at Jax, he's the only black character in the game. Um, but then once they started getting to uh, Mortal Kombat 3 and still using uh, certain actors, even like Kano and stuff, those those same actors would be playing different uh, characters. Huh. And they would just go in and digitize and change, and change their look. So I mean, if you look at the credits, you'll see who everybody played. But that's how they did Mortal Kombat. So they were trying to find a cheap and effective way to make that gay, and that was kind of cheapest because during that time, sprite sprite based games was uh was still you know ex- a little bit expensive, and it would take a long time uh to uh, for them to develop. So they were able to. Uh, find another way to make a game and it just took off uh, once they started allowing like uh, murder or fatalities into the game. (laughs) Freaking fatalities. Those were awesome. Yes. (laughs) Talk about art. Uh, (laughs) Fatalities, babyalities, like this, uh, you know, uppercutting somebody in the pit and making them fall on. Like, Mortal Kombat (laughs) The first game when it came out, it was something so outrageous uh, and a little it was bit like a simple. Phenomenon. That's one of those few games that actually hit the mainstream and get all the parents all pissed off. Yeah, it it affected Street Fighter. It affected Street Fighter's business. Um, yep. Even with Neo Geo throwing out everything, Mortal Kombat was the one to go against Street Fighter. That's why everybody was just like. They should put Ryu versus Scorpion, or uh, um, just just weird, crazy stuff. I'm like, those are two different series, and they're two different move sets. Like, Street Fighter Two has more moves than uh, Mortal Kombat. Than Mortal Kombat, yeah. You know, Mortal Kombat's kind of basic in a sense, and Street Fighter is like. Which Street Fighter you want to put up against them? You want to do Street Fighter 1? You want to do 2, Turbo, Super, the hack version that came to arcades that uh, <laughs> Capcom never knew about? Like, do you want to do Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo? Because Street Fighter, had, that game had a lot before they even got to 3 and Alpha. Yeah. So I had Super Street Fighter Turbo 2. It's the, the one I had on Super Nintendo. Yes, the... That's the definitive edition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can just I can say that because I used to own that game and I played it like almost every day. Yep, hours. I played a lot of it. Yeah. Ryu was my dude. Yes. <laughs> I, I will say it to marry me, but Jesse has a girlfriend, so. <laughs> I I, I, she I, might not I, mind. <laughs> I, I, there's so many people that I need that I want to marry. I was just like, you know what? You, I love you so much. Just marry me. Just give me a ring, a ring pop or something, and I'll be good to go. <laughs> but, <laughs> we're gonna go into the next section. Um, F and V, 
forgotten masterpiece validation, which pretty much I really mean full motion video. And full motion video is now this is what uh when they took a person, dressed them up in a costume, and actually put them in the game. It was a script. You made decisions. It was kind of almost a adventure game for some of them. Uh, most of the games that came out were all, were on CD systems. So Sega CD, 3Duo, um, I think Atari Jaguar had a CD, Topographic CD. Like, they had uh, this medium because the consoles at that time couldn't handle it. Uh, so, uh, for a lot of us, to give you an idea, the first full motion video game was Dragon's Lair. It came to arcade. And you kind of had to press the button at the right time, and it was animated. Uh, and then, later on, when the Sega CD came out, we got Night Trap. And that's kind of how full motion video took off. Uh, yep. Do you remember this time, and what did you think of it? Like, I kind of cringe, but I'm fascinated that it happened. You know? Yeah, I don't think it aged very well either. No, <laughs> no, because you had games like uh, um, you had the crisscross make my video. You had uh, um, Marky Wahlberg. I don't think I ever heard of that one. Yeah, uh, for Sega CD, you had crisscross uh, make my video, and you what you would do is you would take crisscross the song and you would edit different videos, and then you would showcase <laughs> to people. So that sounds amazing. <laughs> Marky, yeah, uh, Mark Wahlberg has one. Marky Mark and really? a bunch uh, make my video. Yeah. Uh, so that's very you can, you can watch a video of, uh, of that on on Sisters. And people kind of see uh, Night Trap got remade, well, remastered and came out on PS4 and Switch. So you guys can get an idea about that. But yeah, full motion video was, was the production wasn't high quality. It, everything looked bad and just like it was very cheesy like you had mad dog mccree also on it just i had all of these games and every time you would do an action the game would freeze and then it'll it'll load the uh load the action that you just did so um you yeah. even had stuff for cdi um not, and not the well you had the legend of zelda 2 on cdi that had some bad animation, but also some full motion video. But that you, had full motion video in it. Yeah, I don't even remember that. Mm-hmm. It had some full motion video in that, in in the second uh, game, not the first one. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, so, uh, I remember playing that, but I don't remember seeing full vo- full. Uh, I guess my my memory must just be fading. <laughs> Yeah, uh, or I blocked it out of my mind. <laughs> and I know I didn't mention Street Fighter the game, uh, the Street Fighter the movie the game. Uh, that was kind of like the last. That was bad. Game. Oh, I that played that on PlayStation One. And, oh, what was Capcom thinking? Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, truly. Uh, but like FMV was kind of a thing. It didn't really last long. But it did make a comeback. Uh, you got games like Late Shift. Um, uh, there's one called, I think, the Shadowrunner Detective or something like that. Or Shapeshifter Detective. The Shapeshifter Detective coming out late, later on on Switch and stuff. Um, but, like, Full Motion has uh, her story. 
everybody who knows about that. Um, oh, around, I loved her story. Yeah, that's for a mushroom video. That's that was kind of the, that's an evolution story. of it, though. It 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 worked out much better in her story than it did in previous games. previous games. Yes. Well, the the technology is better because. You get the graphics and stuff looks cleaner because everything is in HD, but the stories that they're telling and the dev- and development that went into it is just better. Like her story, you could quit at any time. You yep. can get whatever you need to get, but if you want to find out more, you have to type in words and stuff, and a new video will come up. Whatever you type or something, and then you try to make that connection to the story. Yeah, her story was awesome. Yes, it really, really good. Oh, that should come to Switch. I think that's a game that needs to come to console. It's only on PC. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it should come to uh, Switch. I heard late. Uh, it, it's on mobile. Oh, I it played is. it on iPad. Yeah, I played it on iPad. Then yeah, it should come to Switch. But any other thoughts for full motion video? Uh, no. Was- it was just a disaster. <laughs> well, we're going to uh, continue. Oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to celebrate cell shading, and cell shading is making a uh, kind of I making a game look like a cartoon. Yes, uh, Jet Set Radio was kind of the first game. I believe it was two thousand five. Uh, this game was released. It was on the Dreamcast. Uh, no, 2000. I'm sorry. It was released on, on Dreamcast in 2000. It was developed but Smile Bit, and Sega did the publishing for it. And what it was, it's just like you kind of was on these roller skate, skating, and you would see a graffiti thing on the wall, and you would feel it. But when you see everything in motion, it looks like a cartoon. Uh, Nintendo took this idea and brought out the wonderful The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, and people were outraged but then they played the game and some parents even seen it were just like are you playing a cartoon they were just like no this is an actual video game so uh um there was the last one a cell shading that i could think of is okami it used ukiyo print but everything has a cell shade figure and you could tell most of the shell shaded games by the lighting like there's not too much lighting and you'll see like a black outline so, so a game that I, I will admit I'm not hundred percent certain, but I'm almost hundred percent certain is cel shaded that absolutely informed my entire video game experience is Doom Two. I am almost certain Doom Two is, if not the original cel shaded first person shooter, it is damn near. One of the earliest. Tell me all about this because I'm fascinated. I've never <laughs> thought that. Yeah, so Doom 2, it, it, if you were to take Borderlands, which yes. is obviously a cel-shaded first-person shooter, and dialed back those graphics back to like 90s versions graphics, it's going to look like Doom. That's what Doom was. Fast-paced, cell-shaded, first-person shooting. But I thought, was was Doom 1 uh, sprite-based or not? Or it was just Doom 2 that was cell-shaded? I'm pretty sure both were cell-shaded, but I'm not... 
I'm not 100% certain on that. I'm positive Doom 2 is. Okay. Wow. I forgot all about that. Yep. Doom 2, I'm pretty sure, is the original cel-shaded first-person shooter. Hmm. I could be wrong. Maybe Wikipedia could prove me wrong on that. But... Well, it said, it's, we're just at radio. It said that it was the first cel-shaded game to use that technique. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Ooh, I would love to actually play a remake of Doom 1 and 2 in a shell-shaded Look. It would be pretty cool. Oh, that Doom remake and that Doom Eternal is going to be amazing. Dude, that newest Doom game was amazing. Easily my favorite first-person shooter of the generation. It's not even a competition. I, I might have to fight you against that. Oh, what do you think competes? Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2? Yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone says. <laughs> oh, don't get, me, don't, don't get it twisted, everybody. Doom is a is is out. If you play it on normal, it's gonna give you a challenge. Trust me, yeah. I died a lot. But that fast paced action, I was just like, I'm. Lo- it kept me going. Like I spent a week and a half playing that game, digging in, getting off of work, cutting it on, playing that game for three to four hours, trying to get through fights. And I was just like, I love this hectic. Uh, I was I care more about the shooting than more than about doing the quick kills and stuff. Right. Like I was just like a maniac shooting everything. Right. Just but you it. have to. You have to keep moving. So what? All right. So I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent uh, away from our topic for a second. Yeah. But what? What? What I loved about Doom. So as I said at the top of the show, I come from those early age first-person shooters, the uh-huh. old schools like Wolfenstein, Quake, Doom, Hexen, Heretic, all of those original first-person shooters, I played them all and loved them. Yes. So when I played the newest Doom, there is no way that a game could have more perfectly encapsulated the way old-school shooters played and felt in a new graphic system. I mean, you you fire that up. You have key cards. Yeah. What game has key cards now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it just it just it, it embodied the feeling of those old school shooters. And I search high and low for those key cards. Yeah, you have to. They're awesome. <laughs> like, like I understand. Some people the not music. understand. Some people not don't understand that that. Some of the first-person shooters, like, these are earlier mixtures of first-person and RPG aesthetics, like, genres come together. Right. The key card, you are going to have to search every room, every nook and cranny. You're going to have 15 fights. You're going to have to find a dead body. It's under a box somewhere that you can't believe. That. Key cards were the things for your progression. You don't got that key card, you weren't moving an inch. Yep. It's awesome. So I just needed to go on that little tangent. I, oh, I Tim Nestor from Fotgut, he'll he'll talk to say all the time about how I'm the the I'm the Doom nerd. Oh, Doom. Uh, okay, <laughs> Doom Three though was garbage, so we're gonna forget all about. No, that. I I cannot agree with that statement at all. 
No what? way. We're putting this conversation awesome. on hold because we about to solve this Doom Three first. What are you talking about? It's it's garbage in effect. It's survival you can't horror, see essentially. It's like a survival horror first person shooter. They made the game too dark. No way. It was awesome. <laughs> You'd be walking down a corridor and some freaking freaky thing's going to like jump out of a wall and try uh-huh. to kill you. And you have to turn your flashlight on and start shooting it. Oh, man. Loved it. Did I ever get a console version? Uh, yes. Yeah, on Xbox. I don't know if it came to PlayStation. Maybe it did. I played it on Xbox. Um, I'm going to. And then they this... got, and then they got like a remastered version of it on 360 and maybe PS3. I'm not uh, sure. Oh, I want if that if Doom Three is backwards compatible. I'm going to pick it up. Oh, I don't know if it is or not. It might be. Okay. Oh, that game was awesome. We're gonna we're so, gonna take so, this discussion because so, you're coming well, back. I'm just gonna say it. real quick. So yeah, go ahead. Doom Three. Are, that game gets a lot of hate because it, it was a departure from uh, the rest of the series. So the rest of the series is that wicked fast-paced, mm-hmm. don't-stop-moving kind of shooting and attacking, while Doom 3 was more methodical. You had to move slow through areas because you never know what's going to jump out. It was like a survival horror game. It was way different. It, and I could respect that if I could see anything. Like, the like they made the game too dark. I even cut up my settings because I used to I play my friend. One of my friends at my old job let me play Doom 3. And I, and I had to give it back to him. I'm just like, I can't see nothing. Like, I don't know what. I don't know what the world they, the lighting department did. They put the shadows are too dark and it's dark everywhere. And I understand if you want to go to for a hori- uh, horizon, you want to go to a survival horror kind of feel. I understand that completely could go with that, but do it with some lighting. Let me, <laughs> let me see a path that I could go to. Cause I don't know where I'm Dude, I was going to do, I was going on the off a bridge and it Somehow it was so dark that I ran into a wall, and I was just like, <laughs> "I don't remember if that happened to me or not. I don't know. It probably did. So, uh, I just don't remember it." <laughs> but we're going to table that discussion because I'm gonna have you back on. We're gonna have a talk for Doom. Uh, but uh, we're gonna move on actually to the last part: um, the vestments to come. And this is kind of talking, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Yoshi's uh, epic yarn, um, and definitely um, not Yoshi's epic yarn, I'm sorry, Yoshi's Woody World, um, and Kirby's epic yarn. Like, those are kind of advancements in graphics and artistry. Um, what do, would you like to see in the future? Um, whether it, whether whether it's in single player, multiplayer, uh, of whether it's an art style, what do you personally would love to see in the future? Just is this just visually artistic? Anything that you want it to be. So what I would actually like to see is all right. So I think visually. We're, I think I actually think we're pushing those boundaries about as well as we can right mm-hmm. now. I mean, I can't think of a style that we haven't hit yet. I mean, even like Epic Mickey has done the the painted the painted art styles and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I can't I can't think of an art style that we haven't hit visually. I would like us to just keep pushing those styles. But what I would like to see is more audio. So. 
there is so much you can do with audio in a video game. And I feel like most of the time they just kind of typecast their audio and it's just, it just is what it is. But I want to see more games do things like what Hellblade did, where yes. they really utilize the 3D environment and sound and make you feel like you're actually there. I, th- I think, was it, if it's Sega Saturn or a Streamcast, it's one survival horror game where you have to listen to sound because you're kind of blind. Um, Kino, oh, what is that game? I, I'm sorry, everybody. On next show, I'll probably have it uh, for you. <laughs> uh, but he pa- but he passed away. He was like a person big for survival horror games. I think he made D and D two. Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, but go ahead. Ziggy. So, so as I said earlier, when I think of art, I think of all the various ways that games are created, mm-hmm. and audio is, I think, one of the key things that make that artistic experience. And when you have a game like Hellblade where that 3D environment is really keyed in on and you hear it all around, like if you got headphones on, you'll be like looking all around you because you're thinking freaking people are in the room with you. It's just such an incredible experience. Okay. And I would like to see, I would like to see more people take advantage of that kind of technology. Uh, it's Ken, Kenji uh, Eno. He was uh, uh, the director of Warp. Um, and he made a game uh, where, like, um, you had to listen to something, and I can't think of it. But, yeah, Warp was, like, they made games for Sega a lot. And he made, like like I said, he made a game off of sound. Like, you couldn't see anything in a game. So you could walk and you had to listen to where the sound was coming at and charge up your gun. And wherever that sound was loud at, that's where the enemy was coming. So you had to turn around and shoot shoot right there. Wow. That sounds intense. Yeah, he uh, he passed uh, in 2013 um, due to heart failure. But yet he was he was like the big in survival horror. So. Huh. That sounds pretty awesome, actually, to be honest. Dang, where is Sounds that? innovative. Yeah. Uh look look up at because uh, he did uh D two and he did D. And D was Enemy Zero. That's what it was. Enemy Zero. Yes. Huh. Got it. So yeah, it plays around sound. And I think if what happens if I think there is another game, but it might be Enemy Zero. When you save the game it took the battery off the uh in the ship that she was in. So if you huh. save too much, you couldn't save no more because you drained the whole battery that was on the ship. Ha! Huh. Wow, that's kind of an interesting way to do it. Yeah. So Well you had uh uh the PT demo where mm-hmm. you had to talk into the microphone at the end yes. to be able to finish the game. It's cool how different people use that kind of artistic talent to incorporate into their game. Well, Konami did Lifeline, where you had to be, uh, uh, like, you had to t- uh, direct your pa- player by your voice. You yep. would shout actions to where in that, the character was supposed to go. It didn't work well, but yeah. 
Oh my huh. goodness. They tried at least. Yes. I would love to see more audio stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of what I think about. I think that a lot of times people, they just kind of use the same old kind of audio files that yes. we've been hearing for years now. Like every shooter sounds the same. They all sound the same. Yes. It'd be cool if somebody tried to take a different approach to it and make the sound. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how you could do it, but it would cool. It would be cool to see them try something different. Well, I, I, that's why I think uh, I love Just Shapes and Beats is because it uses music for the game. And you have to stay on beat and you have to uh, look out because if you don't follow the beat and you're not seeing what's going on on screen, if, you, if you're not a person who can stay on beat and stuff and do this stuff, you'll get hit and you'll die like that. Trust I'm going to get hit and die. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, uh, Vespers, what about you? What do you want to see? Uh, Vespers for me, I I still want to continue to see new art styles. I want to see watercolors. I want to see someone make a game out of watercolors. That um, would be interesting. You know, has that not been done? Uh, I don't think so. Some of them, it may have, but it doesn't get the recognition, and I have to go back and kind of look at it to see it. Um. You know, we got Cuphead, which brought that. Um, that was cool looking yes, game. That that brought that old cartoon style from like the fifties to sixties. They brought it over. You know, um, I can't think of another game ever that's done that. No, I'm sure games have done it. No, but Cuphead's it, the first. Cuphead is the first here, and is Cuphead's the first and only one that has ever did that style of video games. It's cool. Yeah, and. I I I wish I could see more of that, and it's kind of weird. I kind of wish that developers would bring that old school arcade look back, meaning games like Konami, uh, and you know like X Men and The Simpsons and Turtles and stuff. How yep. they try to make it look like the actual product. Uh, it. Uh, Capcom has a has a very Japanese style, so it doesn't work for that. But Konami, when like they did the Simpsons, they made it look like the Simpsons cartoon. X Men look like the X Men cartoon or comic book. Like I would love to see that come back in this in this generation. I would love for someone to get a licensed game and make it look like the product that it came from. So, uh... oh, actually. Well, way forward, kind of did it with uh, Batman and uh, the Batman game. Um, yeah. Batman Beyond. Was it Batman Beyond? Or yeah, whatever yeah. that Batman game was for Wii. Uh, he had teamed up with uh, his uh, with other people throughout the game. Um, and it was on Cartoon Network. So, uh what kind of style of video game, visualist style of video game is Life is Strange? Because that kind of has that paint kind of style to it. Uh, Life is Strange is, I kind of would say, has more of a Devil May, DMC Devil May Cry look to it. Because Ooh, I don't know. It, it, I mean, it has that. It has a look because it has char- more character models in it. Then it has uh, paint style. 
Hmm. When I look at that, when I look at images of that game, mm-hmm. it, it looks like a painted landscape to me. So that's what made me think of it. You but know, I don't know. I, Maybe it's just the style of game. Yeah, it, it's the style. It kind of if you think of Infamous, um, the third Infamous game, it kind of has that look to it in a sense, but not that detail. Huh. Interesting. So okay. But I, but yeah, I I kind of would love to see that. You know, begin the Funko Pop game uh, with Gears of War. So that's going to be interesting to see <laughs> in the future. Um, but I I to me, Percy, I would love Sony to try a different art style, and I would love Microsoft to try a different art style because Nintendo, like they they did crayon with Yoshi's Island. Um, yep. Well, on Super Nintendo, they did the yarn. Um, they did cell shaded. Um, they did claymation uh with uh Kirby and the Rainbow Curse on Wii U. They did that uh claymation style. Um, and I don't know. I I kind of want them. I kind of want to see Sony do claymation. I kind of want to see uh Microsoft do something with yarn. Um, uh, I feel like they're. I feel like Microsoft and and uh, Sony are chasing after a different consumer base than Nintendo is. Yeah. Um do you remember uh I think it's Max Head, Head Max or something. He was the dude on HBO with the sunglasses with no, the yellow I, don't think I know what you're talking about. He used to be on TV and he used to just have a head and move around and then like always stutter. Uh do you me- <laughs> do you remember Eminem's rap god video? Have you seen oh yeah. It? Okay. Yeah. You remember how he's looking on with the glasses and with yeah. that and his thing? That's Max something that used to be on HBO. But he was like kind of staccato. And Capcom did it with uh one of their games for 3DS. Um and uh it was with the guy, he was like in a red suit with like his hair looked like it was thunder. Um and it came out for DS, but it didn't sell well. But that's a style that I would like to have back. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I can't think of many games that have done stuff like that before. No one has. Well, okay. Well, there you go. So that would be an interesting to tackle then. Yeah. So, uh, but that is the show, everybody. I want to thank Jesse White. Do you have anything to plug? What? What? Anything that you want to plug or anything? The only thing I would plug is the, our beer show that we have, the Brew Review. Uh, I do it with uh, John Martin in the group and a few other people uh, from other groups I'm a part of. If uh, you like beer and want to hear people get drunk and talk about it, <laughs> this is the show for you. <laughs> yes. And you guys can find Optional Opinion on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and other podcast apps. Do check out uh, the beauty of video games at NGRRadio.com. Um, last week, I talked to the guys, Trey and Jeremy from Nintendo Domain, and uh, we talked about character. And so, and I wanted to have this talk with Jesse about artists because uh, I kind of wanted to get on the show, uh, introduce some more to you guys, and just like really have a because I have talked to almost everybody uh, that we know, like Matt Moose, Jason, yep. Jesse, Corey, Larry. I've been like, on NGR a couple times. Yes. Um, yep. And I wanted to bring you in because they, 
only only Moose and Jeff haven't been on Arsenal uh Arsenal X. Uh you have to throw out the X one every time I say that. Um <laughs> uh they have they they have uh Jeff and Moose haven't been on Arsenal Opinion, but everybody else has. And so I had to get you on. Like I said, I apologize. I'm sorry for the delay. I will get it to hell because I want to get more in depth with you. After playing just after playing that for an hour, it just made me respect Ninja Theory more. Yep. Um, and they they are kind of one of my favorite independent developers. Um, they're awesome. They're, they're, I'm curious to see what they do for Microsoft now. Now that they're owned by Microsoft. I'm with you. I have no, I have no, I, I fell on my bed when that announcement came and dropped my jaw. Like, wait, what? That's, yeah. a, that's a, that's a blow to Sony big time. I think um, it is too. I've, I've, I've seen the, I've seen the Sony crew, not like, meh, whatever, but that's a big developer, I think, to lose. So, exactly. So, if I was not able to play Ninja Theory games anymore, I'd be kind of upset about it personally. Oh, I would but... buy that system just to play Ninja Theory games. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's that's my support. Ninja <laughs> Ninja Theory and Wave Four are in the same boat. It's they're the, they're the, they're some of the developers I will always support, regardless of their game is good or bad, regardless of what rating they get. I support them because they're those are the games, the games that I like. And I just enjoy them because they're so passionate about what they do. And yeah, it might hurt that they might not meet the numbers and stuff, but like you guys bring out great products and I will always root for them. I will always right. enjoy their games. I I told Larry um that I kind of won't wait for it to remake Super Metroid. That would be quite interesting if they remade that. I have I have daggers and yells have <laughs> been thrown at me. But eh. It's the internet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they could successfully ma- remake Super oh. Metroid, just because I think fans would just get so angry at it. And I don't think there's anything they could do to actually appease and, fans. And guess what? And those fans, same fans that's yelling, are going to be the same ones that's going to buy it. Right. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, but everybody. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. Whenever you hear this podcast. Once again, thank you, Jesse White, for coming on the show. I will have you for more. We're going to return to this Doom conversation. <laughs> I will make a special I will make a special episode to have that Doom conversation. I, I need to get through Doom 3. If it is backwards compatible, I would get have to get through it. And I may Spoiler actually warning. I'm right. <laughs> We are. (laughs) (laughs) With that, everybody, we will see you next time on Optional Opinion. Bye. Bye.